Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, hosting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today we have a very, very special guest, my guy, Tony Fisher, a.k.a. T-Fish. Tony, what up, boss? How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. I can't complain. You know, trying to stay warm. It's crazy up here in Green Bay. It's like 40 degrees today. Are you serious? Dead serious. Like, I can't believe what's happening, man. This global warming stuff must be serious. Man, we, we about to approach the summer. Ain't supposed to be in the 40s, man. That's crazy. Yeah, who you telling? Like, I woke up this morning like, man, you got to be kidding me. It's supposed to be, you know, the mid-70s, close to 80 up here. But things is different right now. <laughs> man, so... So, so I live in Fort Lauderdale, man. So it's 75, 80, 85 degrees, like all year round, man. So I ain't gonna rub it in your face, though, dog, but it's a beautiful thing down here. It's all good. I'll be in Orlando in a couple weeks, so we good. There it is, there <laughs> it is. You going to Disney World? Yeah, yeah. I told my babies after we get out this COVID stuff, you know, and they, they make it through school and everything, Disney World is what they wanted, and I said they can have it. Wonderful. So you got two beautiful little ones. Will this be their first trip to Orlando? Yeah. Oh, that's yes, nice. yes, it'd be their first trip to Orlando. That's going to be nice. That's going to be nice. So, so T-Fish, you understand the importance of warming up and stretching, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I got, I, got a, I got a couple warm-up questions for you. You ready? Yep. Here we go. If you, if you could only listen to one musical artist, just one musical artist for 30 days straight, who are you selecting? <laughs> Real talk? I could probably, you know what? I could listen to Biggie all day long. Ooh. Yeah, like you give me yeah. anything big and we good, you know, from all the different remixes that just is, look, just the two albums that he really participated in, those are classics, you know, and then you can listen to the ones like post-death and then, you know, they, I'm like, some of them are bangers, but so anything big when he's spitting, you know, I could go with that all day. Man, you know, one of my favorite Biggie songs and I feel like it's slept on, now we can't say the lyrics here, but I got a story to tell. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, that's what made him so so good is just the fact that like why he was you know doing his lyrics you could visualize everything that was going on it's like a movie he was talking about the stuff that he was doing you know and pulling up the carpet getting the cash out right right exactly Exactly. you could visualize everything now you can't go wrong with big you can't go with big all right here we go if you could have one superpower what superpower would you choose? Healing powers. Ooh. I would like to be able to heal people. You know, like, yeah. you know, if, if if anybody in my family caught some type of disease or, you know, somebody get critically injured or something like that, just being able to help heal them, you know, mm. that, I think that's the that's the best healing power you can have. Like, almost as if we was like Wolverine, you know, yes. like, cool. you, know, you, get, yeah. you get stabbed, shot or anything, you know, you, you know, you got those healing powers that you'll be good in a couple hours or you know, a couple minutes or whatever. I dig that. I dig that. I did that. I got one more for you. Right. Favorite TV show of all time. Like, to this day, you can still watch it. 
All right, I kind of got two. Like it's crazy. Like Mary with Children is all time classic for me. <laughs> you know, it was it was something about you know Al Bundy that I could always relate to. You know, like yeah, they was they was that they wasn't even you know they wasn't even middle class. It was like it was technically like poor as poor as all get out. Right. But it was just something about them. You know, they always got by and all of that. And then the second one will always be a uh, Family Guy. I cut on Family Guy all day. You know, yeah. those are the type of things that kind of let me just sit back, relax, and watch. You know what? Let me throw Martin in there too. If I can't, can't run on Martin. I gotta watch Martin all. all I'm telling. I'm a Martin fan all day. I'm a yeah. Martin fan all day. I mean, I like all three of them actually, though. All yeah. three of them. <laughs> but I'm going Martin first. But T Fish, I know you don't have a problem making decisions. You gave me three, like two in the yeah. possible, like playing Spades. You only got one. Who you going with? If I only got one. I'll go with. Uh, let me go. You know what? I'm gonna go with Mary with Children. I, yeah, I think you're gonna say, okay, got you. I'll go with Mary with Children because I mean, you gotta think they went on a 11 year run. Wow, well, you know, so you could never, yeah, you would never miss out on any episode on that. Yeah, all right, there it is, Mary with Children. Man, I would have guessed that one. That was good. That was good. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> so, T Fish, take us back, hometown, where you from, your early beginnings in sports. Take it away for a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, you know I'm from Euclid, Ohio. You know we're Ohio boys and everything. Oh, you know, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, home home of uh, Robert Smith, myself, Peppy Pearson, my little sister Jessica Beard, who's uh, about to go out for it. Um, she's going to Oregon, but she'll be out in Oregon running for the uh, the U.S. the Olympic team. You know, trying Ooh. to make that. You know, and uh, what uh, what events? Was she she's a She's a quarter. Yeah, she was a look. She was a four time. Uh, she won a quarter for uh, four years in a row. From freshman year all the way up to her senior year, then she went to Texas A&M, and they was national champions at Texas A&M. And then she's been running for the uh, U.S. Olympic team for the last, that'll be like seven, eight years. So she's part of Team Adidas, and this is like, she's, you know, getting towards the end of her career and everything, yep. but she's giving it that one last go and all. But, yeah, so, you know, we had some people come out of my high school and everything. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. They all came from your high school? Yeah, we all, all of us came from the same high school. Wow, y'all put them out there. Yeah, so like Rob, Rob was in the 80s, and then four years after Rob was Peppy Pearson. Then four years after Peppy, then came me. And then Jessica, she actually came with my sister. So Jessica was more 2000 and, she's like 2006. Away okay. Now, you know, but we've been able to do some things. And then also we had this guy, Ken Walters, who was a punter for the New England Patriots for a lot of years, and he won a couple of Super Bowls with Tom Brady. You know, How about that? Yeah, we we had our, our share of people, but you know, was a, a four. I was a three sport athlete in school. Uh, started football when I was I want to say about eight nine years old, playing in the muni leagues okay. and stuff like that. And then from there, middle school, high school, was fortunate enough to win a Mister Football Award, and from there went to Notre Dame. Right, wait, wait, we gonna get there. We gonna get there. We gonna talk. We gonna talk that talk, Mister AKA Mister Ohio. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> With other two sports. Yeah, basketball and uh, track. You know, basketball it was crazy track. because basketball, I actually had scholarships in basketball because I averaged, I averaged 22 and 11 for three Wait, years hold straight. hold on, bro. You were not yeah. that good at basketball, for real? I was just short. Look, I was I was a short power forward. I, I mean, 6'2", you know, playing power forward. It was only so much I was going to be able to do on the college level, you know, because right. going to college, I would have had to switch over to guard. That wasn't my forte. And luckily, I was we when we had big backs, you know, back in the day, I was able to be a big running back. How about that? So, 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 what's some of the athletes you looked up? You looked up to growing up. You know, like my favorite athlete has always been Barry Sanders. Mm. You know, like between Barry and Bo, but Jordan has always been my guy. Yeah, 
you know. Yeah. And then I also like I wore number forty because of Sean Kemp. Oh, okay. So, All right. Yeah. That, that way, hold on, hold on. Could you dunk like Kemp though? I was. I've been dunking since the sixth grade. Come on. Dog. Yeah. Dead serious. Yeah. Like, wait, hold on, wait. So, were you dunking like a tennis ball in sixth grade? Were no, you dunking a basketball? You give me a basketball. I was a one. I was a. You know, like at that time, I was a one foot jumper. You know, so give me a little bit of a start. I'm able to dunk it. You in know, the sixth grade. Sixth grade. Man, that's yep. crazy, hopping. And I remember the first time that out, like, all right, so then when I actually played, um, like, in seventh grade, it's the first time I actually dunked in the game and did that, and everybody went crazy about it, you know, because nobody yeah. in the seventh grade was doing that type of stuff. Not at all. Exactly. Not at all. It yeah. took me to eighth grade, man. It was, uh, <laughs> and so I would dunk in practice, and we had, like, our um, our middle school championship game, right? And during the warm-ups, man, I don't know if you remember the Sprite com commercial, but when you went up for the dunk, and then you got – Rejected by the room. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me in a, in a warm-up before the championship game. I fell on my back. Man, I could barely run up and down the court. Man, I might have played like six minutes in the championship game because I because I was trying to show off <laughs> beforehand. That was a wrap for me, though. Right. I mean, it happens to us all. You know, it happens to the best. <laughs> man, so that that's dope. Wow, sixth grade. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead, go ahead. But yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I, I ran track also. So, like, my main thing, I was a, a hurdler, long jumper. And another crazy thing is that I threw the discus. Like, I actually, like, we needed points for a track meet one time. And our track coach was like, Tony, just go over there and help us win in the discus. And I always just experimented with the discus, okay. you know, in practice. And it was just so happened, it was a good day for me. My first throw was, like, 160, 160 feet. He like, Tony, you know, make these little adjustments and watch that thing go. Made a little adjustments, like you said, ended up throwing it 200, uh, 200 feet, you know, what? ended up breaking the record and everything. And it was like, you about to start throwing the discus for it. And here's the crazy part, right? That's the same conference. You remember Chris Chambers? Yeah. Yeah. So like Chris ran, uh, Chris was at a rival school. Chris and Lee Evans was at a rival school 30 minutes away. And that's where we had our little championship. At. And I'm going to tell you this. If Chris would have stuck with track, even Lee Evans, if they would have stuck with track, they could have went far. I mean, it's a possibility they could have been in the Olympics. You think you know, so? Chris, Chris in high school was already running. You know, he was a state champion in the 200 and the 400. But he in the 400, he was running, what, like 46? He might have been like low. Yeah, he was running like low 47, high 46s. And that's Ooh. in high school. That's moving. Oh, it was, it was the truth. It was the truth. You know, and then Lee know. was Lee was a great hurtler as well. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so, yeah. so, so it sounds like I mean, were you just being able to just pick things up and just automatically like be somewhat good at it? it like you know it what? Had, it to, to, come to, easy to you? I was just I was just an athlete. Like football, yeah. like football was the game that kind of came easy. Everything else, it was just going off athletic ability. Right. You know, like I feel like in basketball, I actually got better at basketball after high school years, because then, you know, you start paying attention to things a little bit differently. And in high school, I was just being an athlete. I was able to out jump, out muscle and do all of that stuff, you know? And yeah. so that's how I was able to average the stuff that I was averaging. And track, you know, I was never the blazer because I had like long, long uh, straightaway type speed. It was never that quick initial speed, you know? And I was able to jump. So I was a long jumper as well. So I was long jumping 24, like 24 feet. You know, gotcha. but my real yeah. thing was the 300 hurdles, you know, and I used to hate it initially, you know, but 
a track coach like Tony, you're six two. Like this is the type of race that you need to be doing. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, all right, cool. You know, so he started making me run the 400 a lot. And then when it was time for me to start doing the hurdles, what I figured is that like, if I could just like have a nice stride for that first hundred, once yep. I get to that 300 mark, it's in my head. Now I know I could do a true sprint from there all the way out. So, you know, it was, it was crazy, you know, but I was able to, you know, maneuver and do some things. I went to state a couple of times. I went to state twice in the 300 hurdles and then once in a long game. Wow. Dang, yeah. you was putting in work. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I'm probably like one of the few people, like I was a thousand point scorer at our high school. And then also what I got 12 letters in all sports. So I never played anything with uh, freshmen. No freshman sports in high school. Got you, got you, got you. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna take y'all sports for a second here, All right. because before we jumped on, I was playing uh, Cleveland Legends, Bone Thugs and Harmony. You yeah. know what I mean? So Euclid, Cleveland area, and I think Cleveland, I think Gerald Levert, I think Kid Cudi. Yeah. Like, I know you in the music you talked about Biggie. Like talk about like the Cleveland music scene. Like like where were you like with Bone Thugs hitting? Like did they became like they put really put Cleveland on the map in that R&B or rap, rap category. Yeah, like, now that I think about it, so Bone, all right, I'm trying to remember, like, when they really, really came out with Thuggish Ruggers Bone. That's, like, 95 or something like that. No, no, honestly, I think it was even before that. What well, was it around 95? Because I remember going down to Orlando for an AAU tournament, and I had their seat, I mean, their disc. I mean, no, it wasn't their disc. It was their tape. You know, tape, we yep. had Walkmans and stuff. Right, right, you know? that part, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I remember playing the hell out of it until like everybody was like sick of hearing it, you know. But I was, you know, I was pumped because like technically like the internet, like where they was from, you know, was like literally like ten minutes from where I grew up at. Oh, was it? It was yeah, that close. So like, okay. yeah. So like, so like, like from where I grew up at, like the next street over is where you start going into like the inner city of Cleveland and stuff. Mm. You know, so it was, you know, it was good, you know, and you know, from you have like you said, Bone, Levert, you know, yeah. Gerald Levert and the Leverts themselves. Hell, even yeah. some of the OJs are from our OJs, era. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then you look at, you got Ray Jr. now, who's out there doing this thing, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, you that know, is right. Chip, yeah, Chip the Ripper went to school with my brothers and them uh, back in high school. Mm, you know, so you. It's, yeah, yeah. It's been, yeah we, I mean, you know, we got some very talented people out there in Cleveland. Now, people sleep on Cleveland. And yeah. you start running names, you start looking it up, and they shoot them. And they got the Rock Roll Hall of Fame, and a lot of people come yep. through Cleveland. Exactly. Yep. And, and so, so, so let's let's go let's go back to sports football because that's where we connected. Exactly. And talk about your high school football career. Like, like when when did it start to become like when you start getting those letters? You talk about all the letters you come. Like when when did they start to notice? Was it like your sophomore like, year, junior year? So all right, so like it was crazy because like I mentioned earlier about you know going to the same high school as Robert Smith. Now I didn't know who Rob really was, and then people started showing me you know like uh, like. Uh, tapes but like newspaper clippings and stuff about Rob you know and they was always comparing to like how we was built the same but Rob was a world-class sprinter I wasn't a world-class sprinter I was just an athlete and you know when we got to high school our uh, our uh, football coach was like you know what I'm gonna put you on JB to start you off like you you're, you're not gonna play uh, freshman ball because you're not making yourself better do that doing that gotcha. and so played JV as a freshman got in on varsity you know if we was blowing somebody out but then came that sophomore year, you know, I didn't start, but it was a guy who was, he was starting ahead of me. We was playing against St. Ignatius. Mm -hmm. Dude went out there and fumbled. And coach like, Tony, get in. 
So we went in and I kind of got off a little bit. And then it was okay. like, from there, it was like, you never coming out the game again. You know, wow. so then that's kind of like when I took over as a sophomore. And even as a sophomore, I rushed for 1,625 touchdowns. Did you? Yeah. So I was I was first in Marlowe, Ohio as a sophomore. And then came back that junior year, ended up uh, sprain, had a high ankle sprain, missed like six games. Uh, only got off at four. So I was able to rush for like 800 yards. So then, you know, even after that sophomore year, a lot of people, a lot of colleges were starting to send those letters, you know, into that junior year. But then it was like, you know, as a junior, like if you only put up 800 yards, you come right. from 16 to 800, it's like, damn, what's going what on? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so that's when Ohio State had John Cooper. So they invited me to Ohio State's camp. I go down to their camp. I kind of put on a little show down there, like to show that I was healthy. Yeah. And so a lot of things, you know, going into that senior year was uh, I had to go out, go out there and do my thing, you know. So senior year come around. I, I'm going to pause right there. I'm going to pause right there to connect the dots just for those who listen, you know, can't connect the dots. So you talked about Howell State. You talked about Robert Smith. Robert Smith, legendary running back, went to Ohio State, played in the NFL. I know he's with the Vikings, some other other ones, but to make that connection, Robert Smith. Shout out yeah. to Robert Smith. There it is. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I go down to the camp do my little thing. So now it's time to go into that senior year. And first game of the year, I go for five touchdowns, like 200 yards, only play in the first half. You know, and so season steady going on, you know, and I'm only playing in the first half of games because, like, we had a, we had a nice team. You know, only team that ever really stopped us was always St. Ignatius. Yeah. And so, you know, go through the whole season, you know, big games. was like Nate Clemens. We played against Nate Clemens and yeah. uh, Shaker in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, and so think about that game is a lot of people always consider that as one of the top high school games they've ever seen right there in the city of Cleveland. You know, like I go into that game, I go for 230, three touchdowns, an interception, and two block field goals. What you play on defense? Safety? I was playing corner. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm a big corner out there. Right, so like, right. Look, right about big really, corner, just athletes putting in yeah. work. Look, I ain't know nothing about coverages. I was like, only thing I'm doing, I said, look, I'm over here doing my Dion thing. I'm playing man to man. That's it. Leave me alone. I'm that's like, it. I don't know about right. cover threes. Nothing. I, I didn't have to know all that. I was because I was just running the ball most of the time. And I only played corner in big games. And so obviously, like with that game, did that. You know, by the time the season ended, I ended up with 21, with 21 30 for rushing and 40 touchdowns. You know, Ooh. yeah. Then I was fortunate enough to, you know, win Mr. Football our senior year and Mr. You know, Ohio. Yeah, and then, you know, with the Big 33 and all the North-South North South games and all that yeah. stuff. Exactly. You know, when all of us started connecting. Definitely. And, you know, there you have it. You know, and then so, as a – oh, go ahead. So, so hold on. So, so how did you narrow down – like, where did you go to visit? Did you all take right. all five visits? So, so, like, my thing was is, like, making sure that my mom, you know, single mother raising three kids, she could get to any game any weekend. Yeah. Right. You know, so, like, with me, I was, like, I already had it. Like, it was, like – like Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and there was some other schools. You know, I had scholarship offers for all over the country. And everything. Right. It was like those places too far. Like if it was out of five hours driving distance, I wasn't going to have my mother doing that. Makes sense. You know, and when the offer was on the table at Ohio State, everybody automatically assumed like, hey, Robert went there, Peppy went there, some others went there, Tony's going to Ohio State. So John Cooper comes up to my house in a, uh, back in Cleveland or whatever. And he's like, you know what, Tony, if you leave the state of Ohio, you won't amount to anything. You won't be invited back to come, you know, golf outings and stuff like that. Dude, look, I'm an 18 year old kid. I could care less about golf. 
Right. He's like, yeah, we could get you jobs at a car dealership and everything. I'm like, nothing against car dealers, uh, car salesmen or anything like that. But I'm like, that's not what I want to do. Right. 18 years old or whatever. You know, so he rubbed me the wrong way with that. Yeah. So then comes Notre Dame, you know, when they kind of heard that I was like not going to go to Ohio State and everything, Urban Meyer was the wide receiver coach at Notre Dame. He was oh, Robert wow. Kiefer's special teams coach. So Urban, he jumps on the, uh, like he jumps, you know, in the plane and everything. He comes to Cleveland. He's like, he's really trying to, you know, uh, induce me, entice me to come to Notre Dame. And so what he did was he was smart. He went to my mother. You know, he wanted to convince my mom. My yeah. mom, you know, know her little thing about Notre Dame and the educational aspect of it. You know, and then like the alumni connection, he's like, look, dude. I want you to go to Notre Dame. I'm like, Ma, I don't know what I want to do just yet. Like, this is, you know, let's see what's going to happen. And right. then also, I took a visit up to Michigan State just because I had a cousin who went to Michigan State. And that's when Nick Saban was there. And Nick Saban, he said one thing about my cousin. He's like, Tony, your cousin could have been one of the best corners ever had he not got caught up in drugs and stuff like that. So it's kind of like when he said that, I was like, no, I can't do that. You know, yeah. And it, yeah, I was like, man, you know, like going, like hearing about my cousin, my fa- a family member, you know, getting some trouble and stuff there. I couldn't do it. And I had a yeah. great visit there because I was with Plexico, you know, like, like they had me with Plexico, my man, Sean Wright, who went to, uh, he was at Shaker Heights with Nate and all of them, Courtney mm. Landry, you know, so I was with a, like guys that yeah. I knew from the crib on top of, you know, the stars that they had at Michigan State. Right. Like Robert Smith and all of them, Mateen Cleese. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, you know, I'm chilling with all of them. And I'm like, man, this one right. what college is like? Right, you know, yeah, right and, in. Yeah, but then it was just like, think about what happened to your family. You know, you know, cause you know, you know, you know we all know life has that, uh, that, that uh, fact you can always repeat itself. So I wasn't yeah. gonna be that person, you know, that go through that same cycle. So I broke my whole cycle from like, the, the, the high school cycle of going to Ohio State, get my own family cycle, going to Michigan State or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? Let's go to Notre Dame. How about you that? Know, so, yeah, so a lot of people, they was upset and they was like, you're not Notre Dame material. And I'm like, man, what the hell is Notre Dame material? Right, right. <laughs> like, what is that supposed to mean? It wasn't like I was a bad student or anything like that in school. So, you know, go to Notre Dame and- um, you oh, know, Hold on one second. Think- so 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 we, we mentioned it, we connected two All-Star games, North-South. Yep. We won that one. Big 33, we won that one. Mm-hmm. There were two other individuals. I don't think they were, maybe they were the Big 33, but they went to Notre Dame with you. Do you remember Tommy who Lopinski, was- Tommy Lopinski went to Notre Dame with and me. And Rocky. Yeah, Rocky Boyman. Yep, Rocky. Yeah. Yep, yeah. you're right. What did, what did uh, we said Tony, that's his first name? Tommy. Tommy, Tommy yeah, Tommy, Tommy. Tommy. Yep. What, did he, what position did he play in college? He was he was a fullback. Yep, he was, he he was a fullback for us. Yeah, he said the whole time he he never really got a shot in the league. But good thing about Tommy is, is that he ended up, you know, he uh he 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 went into like the training thing for a second. But Lopo never really liked his school. But then all of a sudden must have clicked for him. And he ended up going to med school and everything. Now he's a doctor. How about that? How yeah. about that? That's though I remember him. Cause did he punt in college and high school too or something? I think so, yeah. He yeah, because I remember I think he was punting for the all-star game. Yeah. Big yeah, I think a couple of times we even had him like trying out as a punter at Notre Dame because we needed one. Yeah, that's you. How about yeah. that? How about yeah. that? All right, so 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 you're fighting Irish, Notre yeah. Dame. How was yeah. it being a student athlete at Notre Dame? I mean, it is a story, um, university football program. Like, talk about being a yeah. student athlete at Notre Dame. 
Yeah, so at Notre Dame is not like your typical school. You know, you got 8,000 students. You have what, about 250 black, you know, African-Americans there. And then wow, one thing I about know, Notre yeah, Dame. I know those numbers. Yeah. Then one thing about Notre Dame is that there is no athletic dorm. You know, so you're in, like, you're, like, my 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 roommates as a uh, as a freshman, I had a guy, from, a, little, a kid from Nebraska and a kid from right here in Wisconsin, you know, coming from totally different backgrounds and everything, you know, but we all got along great. You know, and then you wasn't able to, like, choose your own roommates or anything like that until your second year. You know, and then you couldn't move off campus until your fourth year. You know, wow. and I mean, yeah, it was a little different, you know, but they treated you as a normal student and all that other stuff. You know, did they? They, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. by that. I thought they would show extra, extra support to love. I did not no. know you all were in the same dorm. Wow. No, yeah, there's, there's no, there, I mean, like, hell, if you go there as a football player, you got to cut it as a, a student athlete as well. Now, mm -hmm. things obviously nowadays might be a little bit different than what they were hell, 20 years ago when we were yep. school. You know, but back then, no, they expect you to go to every class. Or if you're not there, you're liable to get kicked out of school and all of that stuff. So, you know, we was full-time students, summer school, all that stuff, and expected to do the same stuff that all the normal students were doing. And so when you think about your time at Notre Dame, what's some of your fondest memories? What come to mind? You know what? Here's the crazy. Like, so back to, like, you know, being a, uh, playing basketball and everything in high school. So they have the largest outdoor uh, – basketball tournament it's called bookstore basketball okay it's like it's like six seven hundred teams that join this in south you bend know, yeah it's like a two-week tournament no this is and this hill right there on notre dame campus oh it was like a two-week thing and i don't know if they still got it i'm sure like some people probably got hurt and all of that stuff but it was like the two-week uh basketball tournament you know and it was it was cool because you know like you know, you get all the students that are coming around. It's almost like you at the Rucker. Yeah. It's on the college campus. Like, you used to go in, you know. So that was uh, that was always a great time. That was that was one of my best memories. And then, obviously, how Wait, hold on, hold on. So they let y'all play? Yeah. Yeah, like, okay. see, it, was, it ain't like how sports are now. You know, college sports are nowadays. They don't want you to, you know, play any of those, extra, do any right. of that extracurricular stuff. But that was all part of the college experience. You know, like we'd go to the rec hall and everything. Everybody get together, go play, op have open gym, all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, so it was like that, and then that was part of your conditioning. That's true. You know? Yep. Yeah, we and did a little so, open gym. Yeah. Uh, now, 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 when y'all were playing, were y'all like? I mean, but you were probably one, of the probably most skilled ones. But were y'all playing, or were y'all playing like football players, like just muscling and no, and, and, no, <laughs> no, you had, you had so hustling and athletic. Yeah, like we was getting it in. All right, so like, I, I mean, I don't know how much you keep up, like even with uh, like female coaches. So our new ladies basketball coach at Notre Dame is Neil Ivy. Neil Ivy, she played in the WNBA, and now her son, but she had a son with my man Javon Hunter. Javon Hunter was our wide receiver at Notre Dame. His dad is James Hunter, who was a first round draft pick out of Grambling, who ended up playing for the Detroit Lions. So they have a son that is the starting point guard at uh at um uh, Purdue now mm. you know so like all of us like we all come from like Javen went to country day with Chris Weber's son of Chris Weber and then his brother David Weber and all of them so yeah. we got like real live hoopers you know we had guys from Dematha you know right there yeah. in uh, Maryland barely like, yeah everybody like dude like we was getting it in Dang. Like, it was real it was real basketball it was like you could have put all like we could have gave our basketball team a run for their money you think so? Oh yeah, we definitely. Well, I ain't gonna say a true one, but we could have. We could have did our. We would have held our own. 
Yeah, fair way. enough. Y'all would have been embarrassed, right? Right, right. <laughs> Y'all would have been embarrassed. That's dope. So you about to share another memory at Notre Dame. Yeah. And then I, I would say another one is just the fact that, you know, having that opportunity to play in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, and that was my sophomore year. Yeah, my sophomore year, we played in the Fiesta Bowl. And against was, who? No, it wasn't. That was my sophomore. That was the junior year. We played against Oregon State. That was an Oregon State team that had Bushmanzada, Chad, yep. yeah, little running back. Uh, I think his name was Ken Simon. And I'm trying to think who was their quarterback. Was the uh, quarterback. let me see, because we played Oregon State as well. They came later. That was uh, I think Stephen Jackson is running back when I was. Yeah, there. Jack. Jack, I, was, Jack was a couple years later. Yep, yeah. 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 But yeah, I think the dude name was Ken Simon because he was a short guy with a big ass head. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but he got he got it all. But we went down there. Look, man. Chad took a, a, a one yard hitch. He took it like ninety on us. Mm. Yeah, like like that team yeah. was stacked. They had all types of first rounders. Because I think if I'm not mistaken, Chad was a first rounder. Um, Husmanzada, I don't think he was a first. Was he like second? Okay. Whatever. I think I think he was he was he was still an early pick. Right. And then you know they had a, a couple of linemen and some defensive players. You know, what was his name? Deion Grant. Is it Deion Grant or it was a Grant or something? The safety? Was it a safety? It was either a safety. I, I, I don't know if there's Deion Grant. I know Deion Grant that played safety. I don't know where he went to college. Yeah, like somebody, it was, I think it was a Grant. I remember them hyping him all the way up. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was a, it was just a hell of an experience. And I think that's something that, you know, you know, if you are a Division I uh, uh, college player, you know, you would love to play in just one of those Power Five bowl games. You know, I played in. We played in the Liberty Bowl one year. Then we also played in uh, uh, we played in Independence Bowl. Independence Bowl. Okay. So, you know, it was cool. You know, those are some good memories, you know. And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't trade for anything else. You know, I would love love to go back, you know. But it is what it is. It was time to move on, you know. So, pretty much yeah. after, you know, after college, you know, I had an opportunity to, to go to the NFL Thought I was going to be drafted, but playing against you guys, you know, our senior year, that's when I ended up tearing my hamstring. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, so there, there are not a lot of pictures of me playing football when you Google myself, right? I mean, there's a handful, right? But when you Google, there's one picture of me, like, having your leg when you pull your hamstring, <laughs> uh, like, holding, because I started chasing, you started to limp. I was like, oh, no. And then... I remember that moment because, like, they I don't really want to tackle him because he already hurt. I had yeah. the leg. I'm like, man, I feel bad, though. It was crazy that in that moment, man, that you tore your hands yeah. like that. Yeah, that was that was a tough one because I remember we was like on a two yard line and we had to had the opportunity to go the whole way and just so happened, hole opened up, jumped through that hole. But when I landed, you know, my foot landed flat footed, so I hyperextended my knee a little bit, and so like it was like from the back of the knee all the way up through the hamstring. Yeah. because I think I only ran like 30 yards and then that was it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nah, the gate opened up and you were gone. Exactly. You were gone. Like, and that's I cool that, it would have been an all-out sprint to the, to the end zone. Well, know, wait, 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 not for nothing. You would have got caught. I, I, I would let say you know, that. bro. Hey, hey we would have turned it on. It would have been an all-out track meet out there. Bro, I, I think I, I, I was going to walk you down either way. I would rather <laughs> walk you down uninjured. But uh, yeah, but, yeah, but, it is what it is. You know, I was so funny, bro. <laughs> hey, I would have been zigzagging all the way down. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, yeah. So, and then 
that was tough, you know, because that was pretty yeah. much the last game that I played in. I had tried to play in a couple more, but my hamstrings just wouldn't allow it, you know. And yeah. I went into that season, you know, like it was potentially I could have been easily like a third round draft pick, you know, because that's what they was already saying, you know. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, once that happened, you know, fell into the free agency market, you know, and chose to come up here to Green Bay and, you know, things kind of hit. So, you know, was able to play four years here, then played a couple over there with the C uh, St. Louis Rams. And, you know, now I'm back yeah. with the Green Bay Packers, uh, you being our player alumni specialist, you know, it's been pretty cool, you know, working in my role now. So, so uh, I'm going to take you back a little bit earlier is uh, a Green Bay, one of our uh, mutual connections, Najee Davenport, yeah. you all were teammates at, at Green Bay. Uh, so when you think about your time with Najee and Green Bay, like what story comes up? Uh, I, I tell you one, he, he, shared, he shared a story. He was on a pop previous episode. I don't know if you heard it, but it was something about, it was another running back that uh, I think it was three of y'all. Another running back came, I forgot his name, but he realized he got cut. And then it was like during the season or something like that. And I guess no, you this was training camp. Oh, training camp. Training this camp. Is our, so this is how paranoid me and Najee used to be about everything. You know, so he was talking about Jason Brookings. So Jason Brookings, we was, we was going to the last cuts and everything, and Jason was actually going to make the team because he had just rushed for like 1,100. He rushed for like 1,100 yards with Baltimore, but then Baltimore had – um that wasn't uh, – that wasn't – I'm tweeted – Damn. Uh, the running back? Yeah. Matt uh, Lewis. No, wait a minute. Jamal Lewis, yeah. Jamal, yeah. Yeah, so they had Jamal. And so, like, Jason, like, he ended up, we ended up signing him as a free agent. So we was going to go into uh, the season. It was like, uh, Amon Green was a, the lead back. Um, Najee was kind of like a fullback at the time. So it was Najee and uh, William Henderson was going to be the fullback. So then you had Amon, Jason Brookins, myself, and this other guy, Ronde Mead. You know, so Jason, he thought they was going to cut him because he really didn't do much during camp. So okay. dude just basically just dropped off his playbook and bounced. So we're going to practice, and everybody like, where Jason at? Where Jason at? And we looking like, I know where the hell the dude is. Dude was already in his car, dumb, because he thought he was getting cut. It wasn't getting wow. cut. Yeah. And then another guy, all right, so like I mentioned the guy, Rondé Mealy, he had made the team, right? So we're all getting ready for practice. So all of our lockers are right next to each other. And one of the scouts come down like, hey, Rock, we need to holler at you. So like us, we don't know what that means. You know, right, right. that's the story like, that was saying. Go ahead. Yeah, so we, you know, we all getting ready and everything. Rock comes back a little bit later crying. We looking like, right. what's wrong with you? Like, dude, I got cut. Me and Najee look at each other like, dude, like, that's how they do it? Like, right. oh, yeah. yeah. So we terrified. You know, so we going out to practice. We making sure we we out there about to kill each other. Right. You know, it's like, we, that's, I think that's when we knew how business was. Mm. You know, because it's like, dude, like, you just, you just made the team. We're going into the second game of the year. You know, and so from there, it was like, they made, a, obviously, Amon was still the number one. Then Najee is that big back. He was that big bruiser. And then you have myself who was able to do, like, wide receiver and running back stuff. So, like, me, Najee, and Amon, like, we was able to run the show for a good four years. And the thing is that a lot of people don't realize that with us three 
you know, as the running backs, we had like the league, we was the top rushers. You know, we had the best running game in the league for a couple mm-hmm. years straight. You know, like a mile one year went for almost 2,000. Yeah. You know, yeah. me and Najee was doing our thing as well. And then, yeah, we, we led the league in rushing, I think, for three, I think three straight years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so we was getting it in, you know, and yeah, it, it was just crazy, that, you know, just to see how cutthroat the game was, you know. And we had one bad year in 2005, and, you know, general manager was like, that's it, you know. So everybody yeah. ended up going their own separate ways. Like, that's when I went to the Rams. Najee might have stayed one more year in Green Bay, but then he ended up with the Steelers. Yeah. You know, he played with the Steelers for a little bit, then he went to the Colts and everything. Amon ended up blowing out his squad, and then he ended up down with the Texans for a little bit. And, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. So, yeah. so how was that transition for you from being a pro athlete, you've been an athlete all your life, to now it's the real world? Now, I'll tell you this. like or so at the world. Yeah, Edgar Bennett, who was our uh, player the director of player um, development, he pretty much told all of us. He was like, man, look, you know you're coming into this game and they're always looking for somebody that's going to replace you. So you got to start planning, you know, from the time you come into the place. You know, so like with me, I knew that the game wasn't going to last forever. And that's why I was, I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to go ahead and graduate from college from Notre Dame with an economics, economics and computer applications degree. And I also started investing. That yeah. So then I started investing in properties. And, you know, also with my um, degree, you know, I started doing internships with uh, Smith Barney. And that's how I met my financial advisor. You know, so like, I don't like to this day, I've been working with my financial advisor since 2002. Mm-hmm. And I did an internship under him so I could understand, you know, what, what the money is doing and how, you know, what his game plan was for me. And you know, come growing up, the way that I grew up and also being a free agent, I wasn't willing to take a bunch of gambles at first, you know, but after I understood like the plan and being young and having an opportunity to make some money. And it was like, Tony, this is what you could do. And this is what it could be like, you know, when it's time for you to retire. Yeah. And, you know, we went through a, 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 you know, I went from being conservative to aggressive and everything. And like, now it's like, okay, you understand the game plan from, way back in the day, you could still start seeing things, you know, uh, uh, come to fruition. Yeah. You know, and like I was started buying properties. So I owned apartment buildings and houses, partners in daycares, barbershop. Wow. Like in yeah. Ohio or just like yeah, all back over? in Ohio, back in Cleveland. Yeah. Wow. You know, so started doing all of that stuff and, you know, just trying to, you know, make sure that when it is time for me to retire, I could almost, you know, live like if I was a, a, a true baller again. <laughs> You know, like right now, it's like just be, you know, be humble and just be subtle. You know, don't 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 do anything crazy that's gonna jeopardize, you know, the stuff that I I've been able to build over the years. That's dope. That's dope. So 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 you've been with the Packers now yeah. as an employee for like the last what nine years? Yeah. Yep. So like now I'm on the administrative side, and it's crazy because like talking about Notre Dame, like uh, only being having 250 uh, African Americans there. Now I'm in Green Bay and I'm the only African-American on the admin executive type side, you know, Mm. so it's different. You know, it's it's not a lot of diversity, you know, but it's kind of what you expect when you're up here in Green Bay. But I mean, the people, they treat you real nice. You don't have to worry about a lot of the other stuff that you probably have to worry about in other communities because they kind of understand they know who you work for and all of that. And this place is, is such a powerful uh, leader in this community, like people really respect what goes on with the G, you know, and, and 
Oh, yeah. So I've been in this role now for the last nine years. So I'm able to help guys, you know, like our players when they're time for them to retire. I'm able to help them transition over to this side of being alumni and helping them with their different benefits and letting them know, you know, like you're not just a football player. You're a lot better than that as well. You know, and yeah. that's that's always the hardest thing because you think we're so structured to be football players our whole life. When that game is taken away from you, it's like, what do you do? Exactly. You know, and a lot of guys are not able to make that transition. And that's why I come in and be able to try to help them make that transition. Yep. Yeah. I mean, shoot, that, that's, that's part of the reason why Orange Arrow exists. Making sure right. it's about being more than an athlete. And so, yep. so, so I'm, I'm going to take you a little bit back because you talked about, you know, uh, being the only minority uh, in administration, but then mm -hmm. also, uh, what, 250 out of 8,000 uh, university at Notre Dame. Like, right. like, like how do you navigate spaces like that when you are um, in, in such, such a minority? The thing is, you got to have an open mind, you know, and you, you can't be one. You know there's going to be people that's going to be uncomfortable with having those difficult conversations. You know, like, I don't even like always bringing up the George Floyd stuff, but you know that there's people that really think, unfortunately, like the way, you know, Derek Chauvin, the way he did, you know, uh, George Floyd, there's people that think that that's okay, you know, and then, you know, there's a lot of people that knows that that's not okay, you know, but when you're in areas where that there is very few minorities, and obviously the majority are, are, are another race of Caucasians or whatnot, you know, just be ready for anything that can happen, but just also make them feel comfortable where that if there is that opportunity to have that difficult conversation, Let's have that conversation. You know, like, mm -hmm. you don't want them to be terrified of you. Like, I don't want somebody to look at me and be like, hey, he's an angry black man. No, that's not me. You know, if you have a question, please ask me. I remember being at a class at Notre Dame, and it was a student from Utah. And she basically, like, I don't know where she was at from in Utah, but she basically said, like, I didn't know that black people existed. I thought I just saw you guys on TV. And this is, like, 1998. Like, wow. You know, yeah. thinking that? You know, like, or were you that sheltered that you didn't think that we actually existed? You yeah. know, and that's a difficult conversation to have with 18-year-olds. So, like, even now, you know, after the George Floyd incident, you know, I had some of my white co-workers reach out to me, like, hey, how are you. you doing? You know, yeah. how are you doing? Like, are you okay in this climate? And I'm like, you know what? I very, really, really appreciate you reaching out to me and asking me. You know, how am I doing? Because that takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot of guts because a lot of people won't do that. You know, and the fact that they did that, it showed me that they kind of care, you know, our plight a little bit of the stuff that we go through. You know, yeah. and it was like, I can't imagine, you know, having a, you know, like one day tell your kids, you know, like if you ever get pulled over, make sure you got your hands on the steering wheel or hold them out the car and all of that stuff because that's stuff that they don't have to think about on the regular. But we have to think about that all the time. You know, like, I don't yeah. know how I'm going to be when I got to have that conversation with myself. Right. You know, right. yeah, but like, the thing is just you got to understand your element, understand where you are, and just be ready for those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, yeah. And so, so when I think about uncomfortable conversations, and so I have a pretty diverse group uh, of friends and network, and similar to your situation, people are calling me around the George Floyd situation, you know, um, you know, this is terrible. And particularly uh, some of my, my white friends calling me right. and saying, you know, man, I didn't know you. And as we started talking, he said, I didn't know you had to maneuver like this. This is terrible. What can I do? And one of the things I, I, I said 
to a number of them is that, you know what, I, again, just like you, I appreciate you reaching out and showing your concern. What you can do for me is be a voice of reason to, to in those spaces where I'm not in or I'm not even welcome in. You know right. what I mean? So, so, so when you're with your white family members or your white friends and they say something or you have an opportunity to educate them and they're like, oh, no, no, that's not correct because of X, Y, and Z. Like, be that voice that went in those spaces that I'm either not in or not even welcome. And Definitely. so, uh, and so, yeah. so giving them some action steps, if you will. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, I, I mean, you look at it, you know, like Juneteenth is coming up, you know, and Obviously, I'm in a I'm in a, a city where that is 85% white, then it's 5% black, then it's 5% others and all of that other stuff, yep. you know, and another five, whatnot. But, you know, like Juneteenth is coming up. And one thing up here is that like all of a sudden you want to you see a lot of uh, some organizations want to get behind the Juneteenth movement. And I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. You know, like as an organization, we have to be very cautious and careful about doing this just because. At the end of the day, what is participating in Juneteenth in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where there's very few minorities, what is it really showing? Is it just because we're going to try to jump into it just to check off a box like, okay, mm -hmm. we participated in something? Yeah. Or are we really going to, you know, help educate people? You know, so my thing is, like, even up here with us trying to get involved with Juneteenth is like, you know, like, I'll be honest, like, you know, us growing up, one movie that they always made us watch when we was in elementary school and stuff is what? Roots. You mm, think yeah. about how often you had to watch Roots back in the day. Yep. You know, and a lot of people don't know about that movie. You know, and obviously a lot of white people don't know about that movie. You know, so like watching it, I'm like, look, we need to do more educational pieces on Juneteenth because like in my eyes, like when you're looking at Juneteenth, that was always like, obviously it's a down south uh, a holiday because that was like when it was truly uh, emancipated from Texas, like Texas really abolished slavery and everything. And that's when it really came about. But it was like mm -hmm. our grandparents and our grandparents' parents and stuff like that. They would know more about that Juneteenth stuff than somebody like me and you, unless right. we had the opportunity to be able to study it. You know, and I'm like, I never really knew much about it. I heard about it, but never really knew what it really stood for. And now knowing that type stuff, you know, it's like, let's crawl before we start walking, you know, and then also start running. Bring in some educational pieces up here. Yeah. You know, educate the few minorities that are here. Educate the white people to kind of understand what this is about, you know, before we just be like, hey, we're going to jump in. And we just want to be like, we're a part of it, you know, and it's not, and it shouldn't be that way. You know, yeah. like, you know we're, we're going to do something in Milwaukee, you know, where that I'm okay with doing that because my Milwaukee is a lot more diverse. Right. You know, uh, right here in Green Bay, you know, it's a different animal, you know, so. How far is Milwaukee from Green Bay? It's about a two hour ride. Two hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and so, so it, it's important, like you said, you know, to, to kind of check the, the, um, the heart or the reason behind some of these yep. actions, because especially in light of, you know, the social unrest, everything that, re that really came to height last year, I feel like there was a lot of organization people like this trying to check out boxes. You right. know what I mean? And, and there's a lot of lip service. And then and then you're like, now that's that's past a little bit, like <laughs> I don't I don't hear from them or see them anymore. It's, right. It's it's really interesting, man. I um now nah, but 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 that's good advice, man, just as far as you know, how do you how do you uh navigate um in, in those type of spaces where it lacks diversity? Uh one of the things that's really important to us at Orange Arrow 
is to uh, build cross-cultural relationships. Because mm-hmm. we're divided by so many different things, race, politics, religion, sex, the list goes on and on. But just like sports has an opportunity to bring people together, yeah, I mean, so, man, you playing football at Notre Dame, one of the most iconic schools, like that opens up doors for you because they watch you play or they know Notre Dame, what have you, and, and it allows you to have a connection. And again, people come together over that. And so right. just like how sports has the opportunity to come together, and y- y'all got people from all over the country come together on Notre Dame to win a game. With Orange Arrow, we come together and win at the game of life. Right. And, and, yeah. and, it's, go- and it's going to take a multifaceted approach to start to see the needle move as it relates to this racial injustice. And so with us, we're really intentional about bringing a diverse group of people together from right. race, um, from economic status, geography as well, because these young people start to see that they're actually more alike than they are different. Because exactly. far too often, we keep them segregated. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so, so, so just like the young lady you said in Utah, how is she, how is she supposed to know uh, about Black people if right. she's never exposed to them? And, and all she sees is what she sees on TV, which is oftentimes we're limited to being athletes, criminals, or entertainers. Right. Exactly. And, and so where's the counter narrative is. And so that's something that we've been intentional about because I found it Orange Girl 2013. But in 2015, I had the vision that if we're going to prepare young people for life, we need to create a space that looks like more of the society that they're living in or they will be entering too. And so mm-hmm. so so part of that is creating that safe space so they can have these courageous conversations around race, equity versus equality, and start to break down those barriers, man. And uh it became an evidence-based model. So it's just great to hear you share that, but because we're aligned there as far as being so important that we create these spaces, safe spaces, right? so we can build together and have these courageous conversations, be intentional yep. about it. Definitely. Yep. I mean, that's that's great, you know, especially starting them young at the ages and stuff that you are, you know, because, I mean, you think about it, back in our day, we didn't think much about this type of stuff, you know, right. and, and I mean, and the, and the thing that's crazy is that it was happening back then. You think about, just think about how crazy it was, like the Rodney King situation. Rodney King, yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't fully know what was going on. I remember seeing the video. I, I didn't really, cat, yeah. uh, understand that. Yeah, and like you think about like like this age was the George Floyd and all of that other stuff, you know. And it, I mean, it's just been crazy that the stuff that's going on now, just because we were so young, we didn't understand it. But now right. we're able to teach the youths about this a lot earlier. Right. You know, and so right. they're going to be already ahead of what we were when yes. we were the age, you know, so yep. it's all good, you know, and I Definitely. think that's positive. And I mean, I'm glad that you're doing you know, the work that you're doing right now with Orange Arrow. I appreciate you, boss. Appreciate your continued support. And as we wrap up, speaking of Orange Arrow, as you know, our mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, off the court, wherever the playing arena may be. Right. Why is it important? for an athlete to be successful outside of the sport? Why is it important for an athlete to be more than an athlete? You have way more value than just being an athlete, no matter what. You know, the strongest muscle that we got is our mind. You know, so we got to continue to keep that thing geared up, you know, and just think outside the box. You got to know that you're worth, you know, more than just being an athlete. You know, at the time that you're playing the sport, you always think that's the best thing that's going. You know, but at the end of the day, you got to think about what if you don't have that sport? You know, think about your parents. You know, look at your parents. They might not be athletes. Look at them. They're, they're working a, a, a job or whatnot. But you got to know that one day that's going to happen to you. You know, and you just have to see the big picture. You got to set goals and, 
you know, is, is you're not going to always become a professional athlete. You know, you just got to, you know, just think positively and just know you got to set those goals and set up a game plan to go out there and reach it and, you know, do what's best to, you know, to, to achieve those goals. My guy, Mr. Ohio, Tony Fisher, T. Fish, thank you for joining the podcast, man. I appreciate you, boss. Always, fam. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, now.